Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And back for another episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Boxhead, how you doing? Good, buddy. All good. It's the way. I'm back, back in society. I'm off the Curtis Rona. Thank God. Nice to see some sun and get out of the house. Yeah, you're back, mate. You're allowed back, and maybe you'll be on the panel tonight, mate. Mate, it was nice to just get out of the house, talk to some people. I was going a bit loopy by the end of the week, you know? I was fucking saying things. I was talking to myself. It wasn't good, mate. Mm. But back in society and uh, shortened weekend of football. A couple of games that didn't quite go to hand for a few teams that had an advantage and have put themselves in a bit of a precarious position, a couple of good wins by a few understrength teams and a lot of controversy heading into Origin Game 3. So I guess where do you want to start? Do you want to preview Origin first or do you want to quickly run through the Round 17 games? Let's run through these games. You know how much I love reviews. Let's get them. Let's yeah. get them. I know you love I know you love reviews, mate. You love it so much, I'm, mate. I'm a, I'm a look-forward person, not a look-backward person. That's, that's yeah, me. but you know Just yourself as a coach. You do review. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm a lot more interested in doing my own review than I am of teams I'm not coaching. So, um, yeah, let's do it. I enjoy it. I just don't like waffling on about games that have been won and run. So let's let's rip it all. We shall do. All right. The first one, obviously, was the Cronulla Storm game. Um, again, I'm not surprised as to how it played out. Um, I think the situation itself is still being overreacted to a little bit. Like, after the loss the other week, some people were bringing back out the old line, is this the downfall, is this the end? I'm like, can we calm down? They're still in the top four. Um, There's still a fair few players missing. It wasn't any better on the night, losing Kenny Bromwich, hopefully uh, only for a week or possibly cleared. But Grant Anderson, as I said, was a guy who wasn't even in the top 30 or their development players. He's now got a long-term injury. So the Storm are going to have to seriously consider getting to market with the one spot they have left, which I think they were holding off to try and get Tarek Sims, but I think the Dragons won't budge on that. Um, <laughs> Maybe they will after yesterday. Well, that, that's that's the real question, I guess. Will they relent at all to the Storm? Will he push at all? I doubt it. I think if the Dragons are out of contention, then yes, but they're not. And really, what, what have the Storm got to offer the Dragons? No, nothing. It'd be simply... That's the thing, isn't it? The the one upside for the Dragons is what Brisbane did last year. He's on a big contract. If they cut the last few months, they get to push that money forward to next year. So the only upside to them is going, all right, you're on seven, eight hundred thousand on this huge back-end deal. If we cut you loose now, we've paid you for July, but we get August, September, like maybe the last couple of months there, they stash an extra hundred thousand plus in their salary cap. Um, That's the only upside for the Dragons at this point, so... Hook's not the kind of bloke that strikes me in that way, but mind you, um, for people that probably don't know, he did work when Melbourne first came in ages ago. I'm not saying that means he's got a relationship there now, but I'm sure he'll be holding on until it's mathematically impossible for them to be in the eight. So I don't see Tarek Sims getting there before August 1. Um, 
No, I, no, I agree. I, w- I wouldn't think so. No, in terms of OBs, which is clearly what they need to address, we now know that Remus, as I said, is going to be out for the season. Anderson was filling in for him. Um, Coates' return is not going to come until later on. Their All Black Sevens player, had Will Warbrick, was playing really well in cup, but we haven't seen him yet. He's been injured every time he's been in line. Um, does he come into the equation? Does Meany push into a centre spot as such? Like, they're obviously going to have to figure something out. You know you've got Olam. You know Munster's going to be back. Felice is a hugely underrated part of that edge defence. Coates will go on one side. I assume Meany will be a centre or a winger, but they're going to have to find one of those spots. So unless he flips to the right and they stick with Aramea on the left wing or they give Warbrick a, a crack or on the market, there's only a handful of guys i sort of seen name-wise, contract-wise, who could be considered, but they're also at clubs that are in good position. So like you look at a Hayes Param at Parramatta, who they've used. Um, he can play centre wing fullback. He's off contract, but they're obviously heading towards the finals. You've got a guy like Harotti, at the Sharks, who sort of only played a handful of games. But again, in their situation, you don't want to give away depth heading into the finals. So I don't think anyone's going to be looking to help them out, that's for sure. No, he wouldn't think so. Um, but for the Sharks, great win. And doing exactly what I said pre-this week, I'm not taking anything away from a Melbourne, much like last week, what Bellamy said, still have to defend, still have to be better. Um, took advantage of the situation. They had their own bit of controversy with Nico Hines obviously going down with COVID, then Toby Rudolph. But I still think... For me, um, long term, I think I wouldn't be giving Matt Moylan a two-year extension. I know he's been playing good footy, but the sample size, I know he's worked hard in the off-season and he's fought, but he's coming off the back of a long-term contract, a lot of money and a lot of disappointment. Um, The fact that Trindle's there and I think he's a good football player, I now wonder if he's going to be patient enough to wait around another 12 months or two years to see if he gets an opportunity. So looking around at some clubs right now, I know half is obviously a premium position, I'm not saying, you know, for the Dolphins it's a it's a solve, but in terms of opportunity and good young halves or a chance to play first grade, I'd be sniffing around Braden Trindle if I was the Dolphins. Yeah, well, he was supposed to play against us on the weekend but got called in, so I've done a lot of preview on him. And, yeah, he's he's certainly a level above New South Wales Cup, definitely. Yeah, and he's young. And, <clears throat> yeah, young, talented. He's a genuine genuine half where really they've got three fullbacks here at the moment at Cronulla so I, I see the see Fitzgibbon you know trying to get him in there as much as he possibly can but yeah if, if they were open to releasing him and you know he's looking for an opportunity elsewhere he'd certainly be a very good pickup. Mm. well he's got one more year to run now they've extended Moylan for two more years Moylan I'm pretty sure is my age so he's going to have to wait until Moylan's 33 34 to get a crack by then he'll be 24 himself so I, I think, again, similar to the last few weeks, I think they've done the right thing. Him playing 10, 15 minutes off the bench was pointless. If you want your backup half in a good position, he has to be playing proper, consistent football. And I think for them, like anyone in a good window, they're in a really good position now depth-wise heading into next year as well. Because if you've got Trindle under contract, you've got a genuine backup half. At the moment, they've got Metcalf, who's obviously going to be out the door. They've got Beryl from Queensland Cup, who still hasn't played first grade, but is a good nine. And then they found Lachlan Miller because they were the team willing to take the risk. So you have these very... We saw saw them firsthand on the weekend. They were just too physical and too classy for us on the weekend. Mm. Um, Yeah, they've they've got some first graders definitely running around in that team. So you're right. Their their depth is second to none. I think the depth... The two sides at the top of New South Wales Cup are Penrith and Newtown. And... It says a lot about the depth that's available at Cronulla and Penrith. 
yeah, and we speak about this all the time. When you get into a window, much like the Cowboys at the moment, it comes with junior development, smart signings, good scouting, finding those players. And, you know, to bring Miller in from the sevens, he's one game that he played is outstanding. He's been killing cup. So they've got really good coverage in important positions for this year. And obviously next year, if they hold on to Miller and a couple of guys, I know a lot of clubs were sniffing around him. Um, but, yeah, on the weekend, I, I wasn't surprised at all with the result. Um, Trindle come in, did a really good job. Moylan playing off the back of him, sort of steering things, was able to, to be pretty dominant. They're back three as always, um, you know, very physical, great finishes. And Ramian and Tracy uh, had a field day. Tracy, we know, let me said it last year, was one of their most consistent players along with Kennedy. Come in, did a really good job. And Ramian, people, I think, forget how young he is and how talented he is. He, he probably hasn't still hit those heights, but you get flashes every now and then. But to me, his best football, if he could keep it at that absolute premium level, is origin-level football. Yeah. So, um, you know, Fitzgibbon, as I said, would be really happy. You take advantage of the team that's in front of you with four or five injured, you know, a couple in origin. And then you've got the situation, like I said, this week, they get the Cowboys who, you know, this is that prime example of origin hurting you. They've come flying into origin. Now they've lost McLean, who got called in. Chad Townsend's been called in. Dearden's now going to end up playing. They're going to have five or six in the game. They've lost two or three to injury during the campaign. Like they've almost got 10-plus players involved. Mm. Um, and they're going to come off a one-day turnaround into a Sharks team who have only got Sifatalakai, who's probably going to be lucky again to play 20, 30 minutes max. And in terms of Hines, I guess, when he got isolated um, to how long the turnaround is, if it's a week, he might only get one run in. Would they play him? I, I think they might, but even if not, they've still got Trindle, so they're going to have a very, very good chance to line up full strength against a Cowboys team who are only going to have a one-day turnaround between the decider. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they also got Ueli back the other night, which is really, really good for them. Fafita played some of his better football. McInnes is looking better the more he plays. Dale back. It was just an all-around all really good team performance by the Sharks, and again... They picked off Melbourne at a great time. They get the Cowboys at a great time this week. They could go all the way from fifth into second by the end of this week. Yeah. Yeah, so, significant, isn't it? Yeah, like I said, I know some people will be listening going, you're homering about Melbourne again. But honestly, if you put Munster, Felice Kafusi back into your team, both the nines, a couple more of these guys that we're talking about, like injury-wise, it, and honestly, it, it does make a huge difference, particularly to the, your edges. Like, I, I'm highly doubtful that Welch does come back along with Remus, and they are big blows, and I've said it before. I, I don't think anyone's in Penrith's league at this point or will be in Penrith's league, but to be talking about this team like they're suddenly going to fall off a cliff or it's all over, um, I think, like I said, you've got to wait until these players are back in the team post-Origin, and if they're still struggling two or three weeks after that, then you've got real concern. That's right, yeah. Uh, but I'm not panicking with a team that's literally not got not the moment, no. eight or nine guys missing through this Origin period. Yeah. Um, and even, I can't remember, someone yesterday goes, ah, oh, they've only got one representative in origin. It's like Munster got COVID. Xavier Coates got injured. Felice Kafusi's overseas for personal reasons. Like, that's a pretty stupid line. Yeah. So, but it's it's an easy line at the moment. Yeah. But great win for the Sharks. Like I said, great team effort. Um, very dominant and, like I said, really did the damage like we talked about on the edges. And that's going to keep happening until they get some troops back in there to tighten it up. Um, and the middle as well. Did a real good job on the middle, so full credit to them and put themselves in the driver's seat, like I said, to really push into the top four, depending on the, the result from this weekend. But the next game, moving on. Oh, sorry, one more thing to probably touch on about because it's a talking point for a lot of people. What do you think about Brandon Smith? 
and he's kind oh, of stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah. The, the worst thing you can do in rugby league is to get sent off, but the second worst thing is to give away a penalty when you've got possession. Yeah. And to call the ref a cheat. It's just dumb. What, what's the what? What's the good that's going to come out of it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there, there needs to be a real serious conversation with with Brandon. He's yeah. I, I thought he some of the some of the stuff that he's doing off the field probably isn't endearing himself to a lot of people and and that that's who he is I, I get that like he's a character but I think you need to be careful if you're starting to be more known for what you're doing off the field than on the field then you probably need to get that balance um, or strike that balance back up and, and get that corrected and, and Craig Bellamy's probably time to have a bit of a tough conversation with him and, and get his head back around where it needs to be, particularly with the way that Melbourne are playing at the moment. The troops that they've got out, they need a leader. They need their Kiwi internationals in particular. And this is the should be the advantage of having them around is to for have to have him steer them through difficult periods like what they're experiencing at the moment where they are missing some talent and some experience. I just I thought he let the organisation down on Thursday night. I really did. I thought that was one of the poorest things I've seen from a Melbourne player in a, in a very, very long time was very un-Melbourne-like. And, and he's, I'm not sure Craig would be that disappointed that he's, he's moving to the Roosters next year, but in the end, they need the best out of him at the moment, don't they? Yeah, and I think that's sort of two sides. Of it. I'm, I'm not saying they're not going to address it. They certainly will because their aspirations every year, regardless of who's in the team or where they're at, is to play finals and push to win competitions and, 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 you know, always be up the top there. But they won't be accepting that whether he's heading out the door or not. Um, but a lot of people, like you said, know that about him, a bit of his character. But that's it was just stupid. It was, as Bellamy said, probably their best field position of the game, one of their best opportunities. And not only did he give away the penalty, he got binned and they lost one of their opportunities to score some points. Yeah. It's... So all around, like I said, um, in terms of the suspension... People have been going, I think, a little bit overboard. Like, I think, you know, should definitely get a few weeks for what he said. But some are saying they should give him a month or six. Like, I don't think it's, you know, to that level. Um, and going off the comments... I, I, but, he's referred straight through. I think three to four Well, is probably what he'll, probably what he'll get. I, but I don't, I don't know. I've got no idea. No, nah, neither do I. But I just thought, you know, Marcelo Montoya early in the year got referred for, you know, throwing around a word that, again, um, is... What did, what did he get for that? I think it was three or four, and again, we know... Yeah, I, think, not, I think we'll get something similar. That's what I thought. I thought it'd be similar, but yeah, to go any further, I think would be a bit over the top. Yeah. Um, again, you get punished in game, they've got the loss, you got Sinbin, it really hurt his team. Um, you know, you obviously can't say anything like that to the refs, but when initially I heard Adam G say, I'm not even going to repeat what he's going to say, I was thinking it was going to be C-bomb or something like a lot more chucked in it. I know cheat's a bad thing to call someone. But his initial reaction, I thought, geez, he must have really let go. So when it was cheating bastard, I was like, well, that's very dumb. But yeah, I was I was expecting much more colourful language along with the word cheat. Agree. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, certainly don't condemn it. Referees don't deserve that. And it's a prime example, again, when we talk about referees at junior level and getting people to participate, and it's never right at any level to do that. No, sure. So they certainly will make an example of him. But uh, Sharks march on, dominant performance, like we said, and really prying themselves during this origin period to put themselves in a position to secure, uh, you know, the top four spot and really try and make a home there for the run home. Knights, Souths, I've 
really disappointed in Newcastle. And to be honest, I think their forwards let them down. They come into this game with Souths missing plenty of players due to origin. And then on top of that, injuries. You know, Sele goes out. Knight gets injured before hand. They lose Nichols to a HIA. Johnston pulls out. And I'm sitting there going, Newcastle at home, getting troops back the last few weeks. Bit of continuity in their halves. Best back in. Like, this is a prime situation, again, where they're not going to play finals, but you finish your season on a positive and... Any time they seem to strike a blow or, you know, look like they were getting themselves into the game, they gave away the penalty, they dropped the football, and I, I thought South's undermanned or not just rolled through them way too easily. And probably the prime example here, we talked about it in the preview, that when you're light on the bench, you obviously just need to sort of work your way through the starters, gas them out, and then you get a shot at the bench. But they gave them that much football and opportunity that blokes like Burgess, I think Burgess played almost 70 minutes. Like, that, those guys were able to play you know, with a fair bit of ease because they're on the front foot. The possession was 60-40 for a lot of the game or more, and I thought Newcastle just really set themselves on fire. They did, yeah. They, their discipline's been horrible all season, and that's why they find themselves continually behind on the scoreboard, chasing points and having to, to risk their hand and play outside of, you know, probably the plan that they had going into the game. You know, just it, it's not a recipe for good performances and effective footy and yeah they're they're really struggling the Knights they um they just look out out of practice in terms of winning don't they 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 just don't have winning football they're they're just in that losing habit of losing and habit of finding ways to to lose and a lot of that just yeah like you said it comes back to their discipline and just their defensive resolve some some of the defence the other night was yeah second rate it just got rolled through. Like, I couldn't believe yeah. how easily, when you've got, you know, I know they have some of them are X, but Safidi's back. He's current origin player. Clemens form has been good all year. Frizzell, Barnett, like, they've got enough there. Braley, I thought, was really good in his stint when he got on the field. But looking at that compared to what South had lost, and you're thinking, you know, they should be up for this or on top. And then you get a guy like Burgess, as I said, playing 70 minutes. Totola punched out almost 60. Jed Cartwright hasn't played NRL in two years, played that full 80 on the edge and, you know, Cheekham's off surgery only got to play his first game for a long time, like 50 minutes. Like They, they really maximised what they got in, out of their starters in particular, but you hit the nail on the head. Like, post-contact metres or metres in general, like, for Tom Burgess to play 70 minutes and run for 200 probably says enough. Yeah. Like, he should be someone that you've targeted, cycle with, gas out and try to get him off the field for, you know, probably what he regularly does, which is more like a 40. But the fact that he was able to play 70 and be so impactful pretty much points to what we said. At the end, the possession sort of ended up even because they had some late opportunities and some repeat sets, but for the 70 or so minutes of the game where it was important, um, they just really hurt themselves. They did themselves absolutely no favours, and for the second week in a row, you see the confidence that Latrell brings to Cody Walker and those around him. He had his best game, his confidence is back, his pass selection, and you know, just like we said, that the difference of having a Latrell at the back of shape and the threat to run past sort of taken some attention away um, from Cody. And probably another big tick in the box for them was Ilias got knocked out off the kickoff, which added even more pressure to the situation. But Nicarima comes in and does a very solid job as well. So it's a big win when you look at it. Like to lose three or four extras on top of your origin players and then lose your halfback first play of the game. It's one of those ones, again, where if I'm... Demetrio, it, it's, it doesn't make up for losses, but that's a big win considering the circumstances. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so they've put themselves... Definitely. I think it's... The, the thing with Latrell is it's not so much... Like, Latrell's obviously a bonus, but it's also the impact that he has on those around him, and that's been clear in the last two weeks. Yeah, and again, like I said, just that attention that he must be paid... And he'd come up with a couple of assists himself in moments. He didn't have the biggest night running-wise, but... He's just, just physical. He's physical, he's confident, he's aggressive. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the way he plays, and there's no doubt that he pushes that line. Yeah, certainly. But, man, it, 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 the person to put him, look, look at the impact that he has on that team. Yeah, I think he's... he's certainly got him back on track with two very important wins at this time of the year. Yeah, I still think he needs to watch it a little bit. I think he pushed it a little bit the other night. Um, not all his own doing. There was a bit of feeling both ways, but I still think at times with the way things have gone, particularly with fines and suspensions, uh, if he gets caught up in things like he did the other night, he'll find himself suspended. And he, they can't afford that. They really can't. Definitely. So he'll keep building. Nice return. Like I said, Cody Walker's confidence and just, yeah, huge rap to a couple of those forwards. The Tola... Burgess, uh, uh, most particularly, was huge. And Kalal Matungi, you got the crazy eyes at the end there with Clemmer, but I thought he had a good game as well. Yeah. Uh, and that moment there was referred straight to the judiciary as well. I honestly thought the send-off was an overreaction. And now that it comes out, I think he's only been fined. He hasn't even got suspended. Yeah, he got, he got fined. That's right. So probably shows in review that, again, what they've seen. I know he came down with the elbow, but there was a few other tackles I could highlight that I'm not going to during that game where you could probably pick something similar. Um but, yeah, I, I thought the ending was a little bit of an overreaction when they sent him off directly. Yeah. So, you know, it ends there. And obviously, like I said, the judiciary seen it that way, reviewing the footage and cops are fine and um, move on. But for Newcastle, like I said, pretty disappointing considering you get a team in that situation at home, um, building some confidence and probably, you know, they're looking to try and push for Milford. They've put a decent offer on the table. There was talk that the Dolphins might struggle to get him now, but... I think moments like that may make you question a little bit whether you're not saying that they're not going to be probably better than the Dolphins in the next 12 months or so, but question whether this is a situation you want to be in or do you take the money? Well, I think you take the years, not so much the money. If you're Anthony Milford, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess. The more more years and more money you think you're going to make and more security you've got. Well, I think they're... They were pushing now that he's been there after what they've seen to keep him for up to three years, but I think the Dolphins in their current dilemma are happy to match anything. So I think for him it's it's getting better and better um, as the weeks go by and the fact they obviously don't have a half and Clifford's still playing cup. But, um, yeah, I think in their shoes they thought they'd have a real crack with the way they were building, but it's losses like that or games like that that I guess may make it more important and make it more come down to the situation of you know, he may go to Bennett, which is familiar, like he had at Brisbane. And again, if the if the years and the money are the same, um, he might take that option. So, yeah, I agree. See how that pans out. But yeah, thought uh, their forwards weren't bad with the ball, but disappointing, particularly defensively. Um, not a great night for Newcastle. And as we said, it hasn't been a great year. But Tigers, Eels, this one, you know, it was looking like another upset. It was another one of those nights where you're sort of sitting there going, you know, Tigers have come to play. Parramatta's lost uh, their direction. They weren't getting engaged in the physical battle. They weren't going forward, and it all turned on ahead, unfortunately, um, when young Justin Matamua, who we obviously had a bit to do with, got sin-binned, and again, without sounding like a homer, I thought it was a bit of a shit call, to be honest. Like, 
You look at yesterday when McCulloch... There's obviously an edict, yeah. I was going to say, there's obviously something that's come through. Well, you, you pin all of them or you pin none of them. Like, we've gone weeks where kickers still get hit and a lot of the time some of them get let go and, you know, they scored off it and Moses, you know, wasn't down. Like, he got back up. And then yesterday, obviously, they got Sims for the hit in the back, but McCulloch two seconds later comes in, does the exact same thing, flattens Reynolds, and I'm like, that, that, they're the sort of things that frustrate me when I watch a game of football. Yeah. It's just, and again, I know it sounded like a home because of him, but it did have a big impact. They got a try and a sin bin, which generally you see one cancel out the other. They also got penalties off the back of it heading into half time. They got a couple of penalties early in the second half, and it just really flipped the game on its head. Well, it did. Yeah. It's... I, it, I, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. I thought the first one, yeah, it was late, but I wasn't. Hmm. We're talking about the Tigers Eels game, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was late, but I, I just I watched it and I thought, okay, there, there must have been something that's going out to clubs to say, look, we're going to be looking at late contact on kickers and halves. Because I've seen far worse just get let go. I yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I, I can I can cop it, like you said, I can cop it if it's consistent. That's all I'm asking. And but really, that's we're asking for a perfect world. You're never going to get that either. So mm, I think we're just going to learn to live with it. I like the fact that we're protecting halves and kickers. I, you know, I've made my feelings pretty clear on that. I just think the players really need to think about, well, is what I'm doing actually going to help the team? Is it worth the risk to go in that hard and whack them and knock them over and, and risk the penalty, but also having your team have to defend with a man short for 10 minutes? Yeah, I'm again, I'm going to defend him. He's not that kind of so player. I've looked, at, I've looked at ways, you know, to combat that with my own coaching. You know, I'm, I'm pretty firm with our guys on... You know, what I expect on play five and what I expect us to do with halves, but also what I, I don't want us to do because, I, you know, you understand the impact it'll have if you do have men off the field. But that's just my take on it. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, defending me a little bit, he's not that kind of player. I think that's... No, he's not. He's the the adrenaline of a debut at Leichhardt. Over enthusiasm, all that stuff. They're on top. You know, he's a 19-year-old kid. He's charged out and did what you want your forwards to do, pressure a half, but probably his biggest crime is if he would have wrapped his arms, he probably doesn't end up in that situation. No, Because it's sort right. of, you know, whether he goes to ground with him or not, as soon as you don't wrap and you sort of bump and, you know, the, the reaction in general, um, you put yourself in harm's way. So definitely can't defend that side of it. But I just, yeah, I saw a couple across the weekend again where I was like, well, fuck, we're not really consistent with that. We've suddenly pulled that one out. Yeah. Um, and it was a big moment in the game. I'm, I'm not defending the Tigers at all. Uh, but, yeah, I just thought, in that moment, they got the trial. I was like, oh, yeah, he might put him in a report or something happened. But when he went to the bin plus the four-pointer, it was just a huge momentum swing. Yeah. But it's pretty typical of them, unfortunately, where you get these little glimpses and it doesn't last for 80 minutes. And Parramatta from there on obviously took control. I thought Dylan Brown did some things that probably went unnoticed. Moses probably showed again that frustration we have at times when he doesn't run enough. Um, when he runs, he's definitely very, very effective and um, Isaiah Papali, they got a bit of a sample of what they're getting next year in the Tigers. And I think for the flip side of that, for Parramatta, how he wasn't prioritised to stay there, I'll still never know. Um, the fact that he like, can play middle, he can play edge, he's so dynamic, he's powerful, and he's so young. Like 
he was almost gifted to them because the Warriors neglected, you know, trying to develop him a little bit and he felt a bit stale and he needed to get out of there to challenge himself. And with what he's done in the last 12 months, I know it was only one season, but to go from a guy that was a fringe first grader to the back rower of the year and then to come in with a low ball offer um, to see that he's now heading over to the Tigers. I know their situation's a long-term build, but I think for Parramatta and where they are right now, I, I certainly he's someone I wouldn't have been letting go. No, I agree. I, I think they got that wrong. Yeah, clearly. But um, interesting messaging also, I guess, for a lot of people. And, and I can't question it because he's won, I think, four out of the five series now. But with McLean going out and then Saifidi getting called up and all the changes that Regan Campbell-Gillard still couldn't find his way back in. And Yeah, I, I said it last week when they we saw the side that was picked. I, I would have had him in the team. But that's my opinion. Freddie's entitled to his. He, uh, he got it right in game two. So, really, the proof will be in the pudding in terms of the performance that they they dish up and, and those guys that have come in ahead of uh, RCG that, you know, that if their performances are up to it, then I guess the selection is justified. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's, it's... I heard a lot of the talk yesterday. I think I caught the uh, part of the Sunday footy show and they were talking about that it was, you know, it's the style, the style that he plays. You know, I thought he was our best middle in game um, game one. So I, I thought his stint, his first stint was good, but yeah, they didn't put him back on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In that first stint, I thought I didn't think it was anything wrong. He was like, our most impactful middle in game one. That, that's my opinion, though. I, yeah, I could be, I could be wrong. So yeah, I, that's I just it. that's just my gut feeling. Yeah, I thought Haas was good. I thought Paulo was ordinary, but that's that was the kind of hard part to take. Like, you have someone throw the yeah, ball. Yeah, well, I think it's impact. Like, Haas will get you through 80 or get you through 60 or whatever, that, and that's cool. Like, he does his job in that regard. But I just thought the impact that RCG had at the start of that game was, was good. Paulo came on and I thought, let the air out of the balloon, really, yeah, in game one. Threw some balls on the ground. and Yeah, it just wasn't going forward and wasn't... And it was a bit like... Madison come on similar time and we didn't have possession. We defended more, so people were going critical of him. It was like, well, same deal. You've come in to a point where we've made a couple of errors or turned the ball over and you're not getting the impact that you want from those two because we haven't held the footy. We've sort of neglected what we were trying to do and raise that water level, Um, and a lot of it was Paul I was doing. But when he was excluded, I thought, okay, we went light last game, but to then cycle through Jordan McLean, now Safiti. Clearly, I don't know you can go from starting in game one to being that far out of contention. So there's, there's got to be more to it. That's more... And I'm not that's delving into it. looks like, but you just have to trust what they say, I suppose. Yeah, and that's my point. We're not doing the old journey thing where like, there's a hidden agenda here, but it's just surprising that you can go all the way from starting game one and doing a solid job with only really one full stint to just not being considered at all after losing two props. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, and then I, I know the message last game was we're only going with one middle. So it was basically saying, you know, if something happened, you'd be back in. And that's clearly not the case because yeah. after losing McLean, they still haven't even brought him into the squad. So um, Finucane's obviously been added back in, but interesting. And like you said, uh, at the end of the day, he's, he's won four of the five, I think it is, since he's been in control. And if he gets the job done again here, which is, you know, definitely in their favour now, particularly with Munster out, no one's going to be able to talk. So uh, I'm not going to question he's the one coaching, but yeah, they obviously need to get the job done. Mm. But for Parramatta, uh, started on shaky ground, but a win that they should have got, and they did in the end. But uh, overall, not the most impressive, in particular starting 
just another one of these ones where we look at it and go, how can you win a competition when you can beat Penner from the Storm, but you struggle to beat teams in the yeah, world? Yeah, it's finals, man. I keep saying it. Just, we'll judge power when we get to the finals. They're going to get there. They really need to, in the next eight weeks, they need to try and get themselves into the four. But really, we're going to judge them more what they do come September. Yeah. Um, and they I need guess... to find some consistency or they're going to be out. Simple as that. For the Tigers, a lot of noise again this week, which is never good. But I sort of enjoyed one part of it, and that was sort of the players biting back at the club a little bit. Uh, not all of them deserve to have a big opinion in, in mind because a lot of them are the reason why a lot of these guys have been turned over. But a few mm. of them to call out the club for leaking constantly, I, I thought was a good thing. Yeah, I um, thought what Luke Brooks said was good. You know, you, you're a guy that's constantly getting thrown under the bus. They fire coaches, change team rosters flip everything every 12 to 18 months, and we've said it for a long time. I, I think he's better than what he's shown. I still think there's a good football player. I think he needs to leave, and he tried to leave. They didn't let him, and then now they're trying to say they're going to drop him to cup, and he called him out on that, and you know, now that they've got everything back under control and Dewey and Hastings there, they want him to leave again, and he's coming in the last year on the biggest money. So, you know, yeah. they can't pick and choose their moments, and, you know, like their underwear, they're changing their mind every five minutes. They either want him there or they don't, but in his situation, he's entitled to stay now. Yeah. He tried to leave. They didn't let him go. Um, and he's coming into almost a million dollars next year. So if they can't find someone to take that money or, he's, you know, there's no takers to chip in, um, he doesn't have to go anywhere. So you made your bed, you got to sleep in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the comments this week about Dewey, some people were like, he should just be quiet and, and play his role. I know he's off an injury, um, but obviously frustrated. Again, similar deal when you commit to a club. And things aren't quite going the direction you want. I can sort of understand, you know, do your job for the team, and he's obviously good at centre. But all this talk about Hastings sort of going to 13, I honestly think the size of Dewey, if you wanted to try and fit those three into those positions, I think Dewey could play 13 if you wanted him to. Like, in terms of linking and ball playing, like they talk about Hastings. Like For either of them, it's a big difference playing in the middle defensively. Yeah, it is, yeah. So it's one thing to go, yeah, just move Hastings there. I'm like, well... I know he's a decent size, but Dewey's not small either. So I don't know if either is really right for that job, but if you're going to move one of them in there to enable the halves to sort of play together, I don't know which way you'd go. I guess Dewey's off a a big injury long-term, but physically I think he's as big, if not bigger, than Jackson Hastings. Certainly got good mobility, um, you know, decent carry, and he can play in that role. But trying to fit those three in, I I don't know. I, I think for me, I'd be looking more so... To what we've seen on the weekend, you've seen, uh, you know, Pole obviously getting his debut. We've seen Matamua. We know that Tuolagi, Garner, etc. For me, if anyone who's moving on, if I'm the Tigers, they're not playing. I don't care about the score board anymore. I just want to get as many games into those guys that are going to be playing first grade for me. Yeah, agree. So, hundred percent. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. Anyone you're going to turn over, just keep him in your South Wales Cup. And that's why, even looking at, I know. You know, they're doing their job, but I look at Garner, I look at Tuolagi, I'm like, you've, you've got to find a way here, whether Matamua starts in the back row, Saifaf, if that's his position, play him in the back row, keep off a Hengawi at lock, maybe when he rolls off, you can roll Justin to 13, because I think that's his best spot. Uh, next year, you obviously got Papali on one edge, but you've got no one playing on the other edge, so that's the same deal again. If Brendan Tumuth is your future there, maybe give him some game time. Mm. I, I don't know, but... If I was them, I'd be finding ways to introduce these guys the next few weeks. Because for now, Garner, Tuolagi, and you know some more other guys are on the fringe. If they're not going to be playing for you, why are you giving them eighty minutes? Yeah, it's invaluable right. experience right now. Whether it's a good or a bad situation, 
to give these guys a taste of what first grade is. It's a hard school, but coming into another big off-season, now is the time to get them in and have a look. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, interested to see what they come up with. But I will give rap to one bloke in particular. I criticised him when he got there, but I think he's really turned it around after, you know, probably not a great start to the season again, but I really think he's turned around. Joe Fangau, he's been playing some really good footy. Um, I think at first I questioned the effort and whether he's just gone there because that was the opportunity, but I I take my hat off to him. He's been working his ass off. He's been playing big minutes. He's carrying hard. Um, you know, he, he's back playing that real high level of football. And the scary thing for them is he's got an option in his favour, I think. So there's a potential that he could basically say now off the back of a good year that I don't want to be here. And that puts him in an even bigger hole. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I think the other one probably after what New Brown went through, I think it's nice to see him getting this opportunity and, um, you know, it's obviously building back into things after a long-term injury and some time overseas, but I, I never think he should have left the NRL, how he wasn't kept at a club in a top 30 or as a, a bench nine option really surprises me. But um, in their situation, again, with number nines at the moment, I think I'd be making sure that he's going to be there next year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we move on from that one. Parramatta, like you said, I guess the proof of being the pudding in the run home and what they do in the finals. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Broncos. It's, 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 it's as simple as that. Just expect them to be what they are. That's what they, that's what they are. They're going to be inconsistent. Yeah. They've done that all year. I don't know why we're surprised about that. Uh, but top four is going to be really important for them. And then, yeah, we just judge them on what they do in finals. Mm. And Broncos-Dragons, I think this is the biggest disappointment of the weekend. A bit like the other game, but more in the sense of the Dragons are in the eight. They've had some really tough games, and like I know it probably points to the importance of of Ben Hunt and what he brings in terms of kicking and organising, but I just thought they never gave themselves a chance. And Tarek in particular, obviously those two moments getting Sinbin really hurt, probably hurt him at the back end of the game, took some petrol out of him. But Brisbane, similarly, like you, you couldn't have had more players missing. You, honestly, like to start with Palacia, James, Hosking on debut, having a, a four-cut and play 80, Pakes off an injury, you know, Willison, his first game for the year, Gamble playing as a middle, Kennedy, like, Oates got called in, like, they had Dane Mariner, their gun, long-term hopeful centre in 18th man because they had that many guys out. And, you know, to lose the way they did, obviously a lot a lot of ticks in the boxes in terms of the way that they've turned things around, the quality of some of the young blokes and, and where they're heading depth-wise. But for the Dragons, this is one of those ones, again, where you sit there and go, we get this one here, we got the Roosters the week after, we put ourselves in a real driver's seat here to try and lock up 7th or 8th and instead missing one half just completely go to water yeah exactly right Um, they did go to water and I'm probably I'm not going to defend him as such in the way of the way he played he didn't have the greatest day particularly with his last tackle options late in the game Jaden Sullivan but for anyone to freak out and be like oh that's why he's not playing it's it's that rule like we talked before they've got to make the decision whether if he's the long term option he needs to play games He's going to have to learn in first grade at some stage. He can't stay in cup forever, much like Sloan. But if they're not going to pull the trigger and persist... I think the issue is, like when we saw it, we played them, what, a month ago now, and we managed to beat them. They had 15 15 NRL contracted players in their squad, and he needs to get his defence right. It's as simple as that. He's... His defensive game isn't up to first grade at the moment, consistently enough. And, you know, I agree with his decision-making offensively. But, uh, yeah, I, I I really just think that Griffin's obviously given him some things to go back and work on. And 
he seems to be kicking stones a little bit in New South Wales Cup. And, yeah, look, I think he's certainly talented enough to play first grade. There's, there's no doubt about that. But then there needs to be also an element of buying and accountability to the things that you've been asked to do by the NRL coach in order to progress and get back up into first grade. So the opportunity presented itself yesterday. And, you know, I, th- I, th- I thought he did some good things. Yeah. But, he, yeah, he really needs to just make sure he's consistent with his defence because he's otherwise he's just going to get spotted and teams are just going to try and run all over him when he comes up into grade. And it's going to make that transition harder and harder every time he comes up. Like, you expect that when you play your one-off game, you can expect to be targeted. But, you know, the, the, the way to build and the way to have, be picked there consistently is to do your job when you're there. And sides will go away from targeting you when you prove that you can get in front and make your tackles and, you know, that you don't gas out and fatigue. It's also an element of that, and is that you you know you target him and you get into him and you make him tackle because it then nullifies how brilliant he is with the ball. Yeah, but there's a whole heap of things that go into it, so he, he needs to understand that. I'm not sure. I'm sure that he's getting plenty of good coaching at the Dragons, but uh, I th- I'm not sure whether it's a buy-in thing or he's just kicking stones because he's he's playing a lot of New South Wales Cup. But from what I've seen, Sloan seems to be going back and doing his best to do his job whereas you know Sullivan's Sullivan's been a little bit not distracted but yeah he seems to be a little bit frustrated which I which I can understand but yeah in the end you just you need to do the things that you've been asked to do when you're back there to to put yourself in the frame to be playing regular first grade hmm. well no doubt both their edges got spotted up you know even Lomax yeah, definitely. Who, who can be hit and miss like you see the best of him some but weeks but you get spotted up because you put things on video that say that you can be spotted up yeah exactly I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, like, people, it doesn't happen by accident. No, it's no different to Sully. Sully's an excellent football player with all the talent in the world, but some days defensively, um, you know, they had inside cover there. He turned his hips out close to the line and Stags just went in out and went straight past him. Like, mm. little things like that on video that are technique or focus or just things that, like you said, you get spotted for a reason, but... Also, just I saw some comments. A lot of people up, like you know, oh, he's terribly saying it's like, well, it's one game out of how many coming in this week. Like, as hard as it is, you don't just come into first grade and succeed straight away. So, yeah, like you said, he's clearly got to work on his defense. He's got plenty of good on his offense side of thing, but I think it's more the point we made at the start of the year. They're going to have to commit at some point to either giving these guys first grade, like they've done with the moment, regardless of performances. They've stuck with him. He's played fifteen games, and I think we've seen some improvement with that. Or they are going to extend Ben Hunt long term. But with that, is are they heading the direction they want to head? Because at the moment, I still look at them and go, well, to me, you're going to be bottom of the eight or just outside the eight with what the roster you've got. Yeah. So, but yeah, I thought there was a lot of criticism off one game where I was like, yeah, he wasn't the best. But at the same time, he's he's going to have to learn in first grade at some point. Yeah. But if it's going to be like Sloan, where it's one game in, out, in, out, and you break their confidence. Um, I'm, not, I'm not like you're saying. You obviously give him coaching and you want him to go away and work on some things, but they're going to have to make a call sooner or later because Amon has an option. 
Wayne Bennett sniffing around. There's a couple of clubs sniffing around Sullivan. There's a lot of clubs that were sniffing around Sloan. This next sort of generation, if they don't commit to it, they're going to have a lot of guys 30-plus that are going to not be playing football in 12 to 18 months' time, and they're going to have to bring in another 10 to 15 contracts, again, that probably aren't long-term. So mm. I just wonder when they're going to make that call. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, obviously, like we said, those guys all got caught out, multiple misses on the edges, Lomax and Suley had a hard day. The amount of times that numbers were created, full credit to Brisbane, and uh, particularly a, a huge return for Tessie New. Started the year getting an opportunity, uh, got moved back in the centres, long-term injury, but yesterday he was in everything. Um, great kick returns, great on those long side shifts, short sides, pushing through the middle, and probably again in a situation where they're bringing Walsh, you got Cobo wants to play fullback, Herbie only signed one year, wants to play fullback, centres, wingers, spots loaded up, kids coming through like Dane Mariner. He's only got a year to go. I think he's another one that the Dolphins should probably look at. I highly doubt Ben Iken want to help out Wayne Bennett. Um, but with their books so loaded, and I'm, you know, he's probably on a reasonable contract, not a huge deal. But if they're yeah. going to squeeze everything in, he's one of these guys again that I'd be probably scoping around if I was the Dolphins. Yeah, I agree. That's fair. Mm. But uh, Reynolds again did a good job unlocking Mam and full credit to their forward pack. Like Zach Hosking, one of these guys again that you look at in Cup, who's Newcastle's Cup Player of the Year two years in a row, a grinder, a guy that played more as a middle, not so much an edge, but can do both jobs. It's another one of these ones where you look at and go, how he didn't get a run in their top 30 at least. I don't know, but they let him go. A lot of guys missing and, you know, debut to play the full game and, and play the way he did. I, I thought he was outstanding. Because well, he was. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And it's another one where you look at it and go, you, you should have bit the bullet at some stage. Like not, not everyone has blistering speed, great power, dynamic, but clearly if he's your New South Wales Cup Player of the Year, two years running and he works his ass off and he's a good leader and he ticks a lot of those boxes, like some of that has to come into account at some stage. Yeah. Um, and it's a miss for them because if they can hold him up there, whether it be on a, a low amount, it's it's great squad depth. Yep. Um, Pereira played good against his old club. Stags, as we said, he can be hit and miss, but on his best day, like one of his better days yesterday, very damaging. Branco even wound back the clock a bit, but yeah, guys like Hetherington did a really good job. Hoyter, uh, limited first grade chances and come in and did a job and again a big win down on troops which helps them down the track because it's one I'm sure they wanted to win but with the troops that are missing they wouldn't have been expecting to win that game no um, but no. a huge blow to the Dragons and their fight for the eight and coming into the Roosters this week who if they win will be equal with them whether they could have pushed themselves further away from that group correct yeah correct um, but before we get to the origin side of things couple of talking points Sheens now has come out and said he is willing to coach the Tigers after a lot of talk that he wouldn't they obviously missed their man they're not interested in a lot of the candidates uh, Kamali put his hand up and obviously I don't know what's going to end up happening there but it's funny because there was a lot of talk that people were saying you know they want him to coach or he's willing to coach but publicly he was saying no uh, but now after you know missing out on Serraldo and probably some of their other options Seems like it's back on the table. But, it, again, I guess, where do you go from here? Like, if he takes the job, is it, is it 12 months and he keeps Kamali and the assistants at Madjad? Do they fire them? Does Benji and Robbie come into it? They've both talked about it. And Robbie's gone from a shirt to being in the box and Benji saying he'd like to be involved. Uh, I, I don't quite know where this is heading for the Tigers. Yeah, well, your guess is as good as mine. I've got no idea. Mm. 
but no idea, mate. Right? Yeah, it's a real hard one to work out, isn't it? Mm, it's it's very interesting. Um, he's you know similar age to Wayne Bennett. He hasn't coached in the NRL a long time. His stint in England was okay. It wasn't the greatest, but again, like a twelve month stopgap. Is there no one on the market you're interested in? Like. I don't know if they've spoke to someone like a Flanagan or if he would take the job, but again, I'm, I'm still dumbfounded um, that someone like him hasn't found a job yet. Okay. So I'm, I'm really confused, but if he's doing a 12-month stopover with Robbie and Benji, same deal again. You look at guys, like we say, that do apprenticeships or coach or build themselves up. I, in anyone's right mind, I don't think either of those guys are ready in 12 months to take over an NRL side, whether you're a, a club mm, legend well, or Well, yeah. It's, that's, the, that's the game, isn't it? Mm. They just... Think well, I can. I want to coach, and there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll see how that plays out in the last one. It took a lot of people by surprise, but we know a little bit about the man. The Warriors hired uh, Webby. He's got a three-year deal heading over to the Warriors now. He spent some time previously there when Andrew McFadden was an assistant. Did some time in England. Has been at the Tigers, and Ivan Cleary obviously had a high opinion of him because when the Tigers decided to sack him when Madge got there, he picked him up straight away, and he's been at Penrith for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, he's it, well, he's got he's got a history there. He's played, he coached there, and was an assistant coach there for yeah, I think a few years. He'd been been around, and yeah, did did some work in in England. He was at Parramatta. He's been at uh, the West Tigers. That's obviously where we ran into him, and um, yeah, I, I ran into him a fortnight ago. He was the assistant coach with the Samoan side, and. Had a bit of a yarn to him, and he's certainly articulate. He's he's a good man. He's got a vast experience coaching Pacific Islander players, which I think is going to be uh, a huge advantage to him. He's, he also understands the landscape in New Zealand. He's coached there before. I think those two elements have certainly played into his favour because they they need someone who understands how to culturally connect with those players. Yeah, that's really really important. And uh, yeah, he's a good human. He's he can certainly coach. So, but you know that doesn't mean he's he's going to be successful. There's a lot of things at the Warriors that are happening that are affecting the on-field performance outside of the coach. Yeah. So I've got no idea he'll go over there with ideas, and he'll go over there and he'll coach them well. Hopefully, organisationally, and the playing group can buy in, and he can he can see some success over there. It'd be it'd be nice to see because he's certainly done his apprenticeship as a coach. Yeah, and I think this is one of those ones where, again, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be just coaching which determines where he's at. Um, no. And that's the thing where a lot of people go, oh, you said this person in the past or that person. It's like, just because someone gets sacked doesn't mean they can't coach. There's a lot more to a head coaching role at a club, whether it be board level, recruitment, retention, development. There's a lot of things that also affect coaches than just purely coaching. Um, Absolutely. He was outstanding defensively at the Tigers. He did that side of the ball. He's now doing attack at Penrith. Obviously, there probably doesn't need to be a lot of tuning with their attack, but um, he's been on both sides of the ball. Like you said, long apprenticeship there, Panthers, Tigers, Warriors, England, um, long-term student of the game and heading over there for three years. So we'll see what happens. But I have no doubt, like you said, obviously having a bit of a base there before helps and they've been at a variety of clubs, development clubs, and been in New Zealand previously, all that would have came into consideration. Definitely. So interested to see how he goes and best of luck to him. But, yeah, I had that one and the Tigers situation here in that talk this week. But um, the Origin preview probably doesn't need to be as in-depth as previously, but more chaos, I guess, this time around than any other game. And 
uh, this preview and this podcast brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with bluebet.com.au. Download the app today or visit the website. No such luck with the charity bet this week. Uh, I was going to go on to the Sharkies, but after those few guys pulled out, um, I held back and I disappointed. I went on Newcastle and they burned me. <laughs> so I should have just stuck with the Sharks and I would have got better odds if I would have pushed all in. And uh, for Origin, you get an early payout offer for game three. Back either team, and if they lead by six at half time, you win. Get on board. Uh, gamble responsibly, obviously. Terms and conditions apply and it excludes SA residents, but bluebet.com.au, early payout if they lead, either team leads by six or more at half time. Good stuff. Um, get on board. Up to $100 max. But I think uh, this one, like we said, Brock had a lot around it. We've had, you know, some slight changes games previously. Obviously, Whiten got COVID. Um, but this time around, there's been a lot going on for the Queenslanders. A huge blow. Cameron Munster, who's probably their most influential or impactful player, goes down with COVID. Murray Tuolagi goes down as well. And Felice Kafusi, an underrated part of that edge and defensively and all those little things he do, uh, has, does for that team, obviously away for personal reasons with uh, his father's health. So two particularly big outs for Queensland. And then on the New South Wales side of things, you have Jordan McLean, who I was absolutely heartbreaking for that press conference. It, it was painful to watch. Um, tore his hamstring. He's had multiple hamstring injuries. He had hampered him for a long time and stopped him from debuting at Melbourne. He finally got a bit of a clean run. He obviously had that huge turn in his life with the Alex McKinnon moment where, you know, he, he was beaten down a lot and had a lot thrown at him and ended up winning a grand final and moving on to play for Australia and having some opportunity at the Cowboys and then having more injury issues. He certainly had a, a checking, you know, career in that sense. Finally gets healthy, having a big year for the Cowboys, looking at his first Blues jersey and the hamstring goes again. So, yeah, horrible. Yeah. It's uh, hard for him. And then, like we said, Safidi, who's been... Horrible in... for Munster as well. Like, it's... Huge for Queensland, too. Like... Tualagi, you know, like, man. Game three decider in Queensland. How many of those do you get? How many origin games do you get? Yeah, in exactly. your career, they're, you know... Yeah, it's it's a massive blow. And Mon- particularly with the way that Munster started this series and even his first half in game two. Yeah. Then he's gone shoulder injury into... Uh, into this, into COVID. Yeah. So, and it like, just shows you how quickly the things turn in rugby league. Yeah, and obviously, like we said, Jack went out game two, not back in game three. And then for New South Wales, probably a bit luckier. Nico Hines got it, but was only in camp for a day. It had no effect on anyone else. Um, so they rolled him out. And then obviously, with Jacob being pushed up to debut on the front row, they've promoted Dale Finucane back into the squad. And Chad Townsend was rewarded as well. So. I'm sure part of that also has to do to see if they can push him to dish some information on Nanai and a couple of his teammates, and po- probably Tom did more than anybody, mm. um, as to how much he'd give up, because you've obviously got to consider finals, I guess. Um, yeah, but for Queensland, I, I guess we'll start with them. In this situation, they haven't confirmed it yet, but Corey Oates obviously comes in. His form has been deserving. He comes straight back in and, and gets an opportunity on the wing. I'm not surprised they went that way over bringing in Hamiso, I've said it before, even at club level, I don't think he's one of their best wing options. I don't think he's great in yardage. He's a good finisher. You need that big body. So with Oates, you certainly get that much like you have with Torlagi. But the nine halves situation, Brock, I think for me, 
there's too much of a domino effect if you put Dearden on the bench and you push Hunt to the halves and have Harry there playing 80 and rotate that somehow. I, I still think their best option is to go with Tommy and the halves, keep the dual hooker situation and try and yeah, have that impact they had agree. off yeah, the 100%. bench. And another change I'd make, I don't know if they will, but for me to get that impact off your bench and sort of try and emulate what you got game one, I'd start Arrow over Collins and have him and Carrigan come on together again along with Harry Grant. I don't think Arrow's much of an impact player. Yeah. Um, but how that works out, again, we'll wait and see. But Harry playing 80, obviously not as effective. Not saying he can't do it, but obviously he's got to be a bit more mindful of his petrol. He can't really manipulate as much scheme, as much run, and try and pressure. I think they can still get Hunt's help with the kicking game from nine as opposed to him moving out to the halves and have Tom do a job. Tom obviously different to Munster in terms of that X factor or breaking a game open, but not afraid to run the football, not afraid to put his body in front and has a solid kicking game. So I I think for them it's probably more important losing probably their biggest X factor player or their one who can break a game open on his own off the back of nothing here is just getting all the little things right. They need to be good in yardage, high completion. They need to work the middle kick well, kick pressure New South Wales well, kill their set starts, and essentially it's got to be a clone of game one where they won the ruck, they won the middle, and they just tried to drown New South Wales and make it a shit fight. Yeah, and we spoke about that leading into game two. You know, were, were Queensland going to be able to replicate those conditions? It's going to be even harder now. I think the, the fly in the ointment or the real potential game changer is the crowd, the impact that has on the referees... If New South Wales happen to get rattled, which are all a possibility, but I, yeah, I, I tend to lean heavily New South Wales just when you look at it on paper. But as we know, there's a lot more that goes into that in Origin games. Yeah, I think um, they've confirmed today. I think I heard on the radio before. I haven't seen anything else. I was wondering if Safiti would start or come off the bench. I, I see him more as a you know a guy just to do his job and then get off the field and they'll probably ask for big minutes and roll those back rows again, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it obviously worked for him last game. Um, and he played a middle short, but I think from what they said on the radio earlier, Junior Bolo is more likely to start now and Safidi come off the bench. So I'd assume if that's the case, you'll probably only get one stint. Um, so again, big minutes are going to have to come from Junior Bolo. Jake's going to have to play big minutes. Yo, you're probably not even going to take off the field or consider and definitely this time, if things go more to plan, because I think last game they wanted to use Siffer as a middle um, or as an edge and roll one of those guys in, they got the luxury because of the score line where they got to roll him on an edge. But I think more than likely him or Angus is either going to have to play in the middle or, again, push in a Martin or push in a Murray to play a stint there. Mm, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I, th- I think now the other side of it is they're going to ha- obviously test out Tom, uh, defensively, he's going to be a man they're going to try and spot, but he's definitely shown at club he's not afraid. Very physical running and defending, but I think the biggest glaring change here for me with Queensland is the fact that Nenai, DCE, and Gagai are all together on an edge. Like Gagai's had a poor series defensively. Cherry Evans at times gets disconnected and can leave his edges exposed. And Nenai, it's, it's not a technique thing. It's a system thing or decisions at times. King just get flat-out beaten, and he's an 18-year-old. You forget that. He's so gifted on the attacking side of the ball, but that right edge for Queensland, for me, looks bang up for New South Wales. If they can do their job 
and sort of set up and play a lot to that left, um, I guarantee they're going to see a lot of traffic early and often. Well, yeah, one million percent, absolutely. Again, you put it on, you put it on video, and you get exposed, and they're going to be coming there hard. Mm. So mm, they're going to have to be up for it. They're going to have to have learnt some of the lessons from game two and be ready for some of the things that the Blues are going to throw at them again in here in game three. Yeah, I think, you know, we saw Burton, Toto, Luai, that connection. They flipped Martin to that side of the field. Murray was there for a little bit. Um, you know, Crichton might even spend some time. It depends how they rotate those guys. But left, obviously, expect to see plenty of those guys linking up. That Penrith halves playing that long side shift with Yo and trying to hold up that inside and open up that left-hand edge and disconnect those guys because individually they can all be exposed. But now, systematically, without Felice there, who covers up a lot, uh, I think that's a glaring hole, and I think for Billy Slater, I don't. Again, I don't know if it'll happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a late change and Tom Gilbert started on that edge. I think he's a better defender in a lot of the small areas and effort areas and kick pressure and some of those little dirty things that Felice would do. But on the flip side of it, if not, I look at him and think if things open up in the first twenty to thirty minutes or they're going wrong, that Nanai and him will get swapped very early. So. Um, looking at it now, I think, yeah, that, that's probably the hard thing thing for them. But the most important thing, I guess, is to minimise the impact of your change overall. I think Cherry Evans will still do the majority of your kicking. You've got Hunt who can come out and get someone else to dish to him if they want him kicking. Tom has a good enough kicking game. Ponga, like you said, probably game one can contribute um, there as well. But I, I don't want to lose that dual nine impact. I think that really is something that helps him. I think he's got to be better with the way he uses his middles. He's tried to get away with, you know, short stints and then working those guys for long periods. And we've got, I think, too much impact across the park. I think Papali, this time around, has to have two 20-minute stints. He plays longer minutes at club. He's got to have a bigger impact on the game. And I, I don't think you can just run Carrigan for 65, 70 minutes in that working type of role. Like they need to roll those guys more often and have more impact through the middle. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, he's, he's got to get that right. Tino, Papali, Collins, Carrigan, etc. Whether, you, you know, it's, you know, I, I guess Carrigan can still play a 60 or a 55, etc. But I just don't think you can afford to go, yeah, Papali, he's 15 minutes or 18 minutes and then sit him for that long or same deal with Tino. And just again, that bench impact. Game one, it was Carrigan, Collins, Harry, all within a few minute period that raised that water level. Or I'd be looking at getting Arrow to start over Collins and, sort of work through that first period and then bring those guys on to try and get that impact. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think left side, I think for Queensland, we obviously know that's going to be their focus. Critter, last game, a couple of tackles there. He likes to go low. Ponga bounced around him a couple of times. I think that's going to be their focus area. Um, they're going to need some help from the inside, obviously from Cleary and others. But, yeah, I think that's probably their, their key area. And Tom there a bit different, but I think the main man who's under the most pressure, or the two guys that are under the most pressure for me, is we know that Cherry Evans is going to kick, control and steer. Tom will just run and kick and do his job as well, but I think there's even more pressure creatively now on Ponga without Munster there to come up with something, and he'll be someone I'd be really eyeing up or spotting up where he is, you know, the ball's going to be going. And the other ones, if Harry Grant does stay in that bench impact role, you saw it last game, if you take away the ruck momentum and you strangle them, how they did to us in game one, his impact is very limited. Yeah. So I think that's the big area. If New South Wales do what they did last game, bash and bomb, win the middle, strangle them in yardage, and for the most part, win the ruck, you've already got Munster missing who can come up with something out of nothing that really puts pressure 
on Harry Grant out of nine if he's got limited space to work and probe. And then it puts more pressure on Ponga without months to be in there in terms of any of those long side shifts or him popping up on those sweet plays. You know, Tom and Cherry Evans are not exactly impact players. They're not game breakers. I think theirs is going to be a real different, simple game plan, like we said, where it has to mould off game one, wrestle, roll, kick yeah, pressure. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I'm not sure they've got the troops now to do that. I think from New South Wales' perspective, we need to turn it into turn it into a talent, a game of talent. And so that means that our discipline needs to be good, our control needs to be good, and we need to get 50-50 split. And more likely, more than likely, if, if that's the case, 90 times out of 100, you're going to win that game. If I'm Queensland, I'm, I'm tipping, I'm going the complete opposite way. I'm finding a different way to approach this. I'm not just going to go the cookie-cutter road and or the wrestle road. I think New South Wales will be ready for the wrestle road. I think they need to come up with a different style, a different way to attack New South Wales because their approach, they tried to do that again in game two and it didn't work and they got their pants pulled down. They can't rely on the referee's interpretation or New South Wales' willingness to allow them to lay all over the ruck to determine whether they can win or lose. I think they really need to find a way to break New South Wales down that's outside of the box, that's going to surprise New South Wales and get New South Wales on tilt. So I hope that's the way that Billy Slater's thinking, or I actually hope it's not the way that Billy Slater's thinking. But, yeah, I just think if they they go in here trying to replicate game one, New South Wales will be ready for it. I think if they go in and just try and play that stock standard origin, you know, end-to-end style footy, which I think they're going to have to do in some respect, no doubt. You, you can't avoid that, but I really think they need to need to try and unsettle New South Wales and come up with some different ways to expose some of the players that New South Wales have got in there and and make us uncomfortable and potentially bring the crowd in, bring the referees in, and try and rattle us a little bit. Well, if you're going to pick a focus area, if I'm him, it's the middle. I'm looking at my edges. I think he's got good players on the left, but their back rowers. Well, I'd be looking at what, what they did in the first half of game one. Just just get the tape from half two and throw it in the bin. What were the things in the first half of game two that worked? Do I still have the players there that I can replicate a bit of that? What could we do better out of that? And and then, yeah, look at the players that New South Wales have had to, to bring in. Yeah, are there, are there certain ways you can expose the players that they didn't do a good job of in, in the second game? But I think that you need to be really digging nice and deep to try and find something that the Blues aren't going to be ready for. Mm. Like I said, I think their one sort of area of the field where I have some confidence in them having an upside is middle. Um, more from the fact that I think, again, if you put the bench to that sort of way they did game one, I'd be really trying to work my way through there, whether it's Paulo's first stint, trying to gas him out, and when Cook comes on, spotting him up. Um, they're going to need big minutes from their middles and after all those back rolls through. If he sort of gets that rotation right with a Papali'i, a Tino, Carrigan, you got guys there that have all got footwork, got a good bump, got an offload. Like I'd really want to win the middle of the field and sort of channel my way through there, have Ponga hanging around the football, have Harry come on and be able to burst through there, and if they can at least punch some holes there and tighten it up, and that'll give them an option maybe to get that left-hand side and get Val maybe some early early ball or get Ponga out on the edge. But in terms of just straight up, you know, go and play for play or take a multiple shots, a bit more like that Penrith style and New South Wales style. Um, you know, I think the Burton-Gagai matchup and the edge matchups, 
you know, I think we've got it, got them covered in most of those areas. I, I think the one real area of the field they could win to open things up if they get that rotation right is their middle. Mm. But, again, if he chooses to go that workman road like we talked about and go short stints, long workman-like stints and hold off, I, I, I can't say it. I think if you're New South Wales, you're never going to get a better opportunity to lose Munster is huge. And I, everyone said, oh, well, everyone's had outs during the series. It's like, yeah, well, we're, we're pretty lucky that when... Whiten goes out, we had multiple centre options. But we haven't lost a half. Like, Hines going out, he wasn't a number one half. We've got our number one halves pairing. We've got two nines now. We've got a very good fullback. If he was out, we had multiple fullback options. They don't have another camera monster. That's a huge out. No, that's definitely right. And Felice, again, hugely underrated in some of the small stuff. Again, any coach would tell you that you don't see. It's not flashy stuff, but kick pressures, hitting halves, jamming halves and you're running, just tying up an edge. Um, those two outs uh, are pretty significant. And like I said, it's, it's it's putting more pressure on those guys that do have a bit of X factor, whether it be a Harry Grant, but he needs that middle laid, or a Kalen Ponga, who, again, needs the middle laid, needs space, needs to be fed the ball. And, yeah, I, I think it's you're never going to get a better opportunity as a New South Welshman to win a decider in Queensland than right now. Um, but, yeah, I guess a lot of what we talked about, interested to see if they do change anything late. But, yeah, I, I find it very interesting if Dearden goes to the bench and they start with Harry, how that sort of works. Like, ha- Harry's best role in that arena is definitely making an impact off the bench. And Dearden could do a job there. But, yeah, like, I just think you're sort of taken away from one of your strengths if you cause that domino effect. Um, and that Nanai edge, like we said, watch out for that edge to be attacked. Tim Gagai, DCE, and... If that goes wrong, uh, Gilbert probably to play there or even a late change before the game. I, I don't know if he will, but I think he might consider having Gilbert plug that hole and seeing what pays out. But, um, you know, they're, like I said, they're going to have to do all those simple things well, win the ruck again, be better in yardage. Um, they need Gagai certainly to be defensively better, but also on the ball. He has had one of his best series there. He's usually very helpful in that area. And again, just that creative pressure on Ponga um, and Harry and that bench impact, I hope I hope they find a way to get it. But at the same time, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of those things like you said, without that X factor, bring the crowd into it, kill the ruck, push the limits, hit Nathan, push the boundaries and just try and feed off being at home. Pretty much, yeah. Find, find a different way. Yeah. That's what I think they need to do. Um, New South Wales, like I said, not expecting any late changes, just probably more wondering how they roll those players through. So if Safidi does go to the bench, expecting Paulo to at least again then play 50, 55 minutes, maybe 60 in his stints. And Jake's obviously going to have to play big minutes. And um, whether he uses Siffa there or rolls one of those guys in or Crichton that way. And the the, the middle, the minute split, I guess, between Cook and Arpy. I, I thought Arpy was doing a really good job in game one, but didn't make a difference in the second half with the scoreline blowing out the way it did. Um, but if things aren't cooking and it's a bit tighter, I'll be interested to see if he, you know, gets yeah, how that rotation works. Mm. Yeah, so I think I'll it's be getting more... Coruscant back out there. Yeah, I think interchanges are more the question for New South Wales. I think we know what their focus is going to be. Tedesco mm. loading that left hand side, playing to that edge like we're saying that could be exposed, um, and obviously getting plenty of traffic at a new guy and young Tommy did, and if he's playing out in that edge. But um, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how he works his middles and his interchanges. Well, history says that it's going to be unorthodox. Mm. That's all I'll say. But, yeah, we can expect Cleary to be dominant again with the kicking. Burton will chip in. 
with a couple of those bombs. Um, yeah, I think transition last game was huge coming out of yardage. The back three linking up, they were excellent. They were getting center help. They were getting to the middle of the field. They were bouncing open, then jumping back down short sides like Tedesco. Toto, Tupo did a huge job. But, yeah, some of the double efforts from Toto and Tedesco in particular, like you said, he's probably been second best on ground. I think if he has another big game, he's man of the series for me. Yeah, me too. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess for them, I want Yo again being the only link. Jake, his job is to do exactly what he did last game, carry the ball up, down, make your tackles, don't muddy the waters, leave those Penrith players to sort that link out between nine, lock and the halves. Mm. Um, definitely bash and bomb Pomer. I think that's even important now with Munster missing. But if you have to pick one of the other guys, you know, they've got two big physical guys uh, to pin in a corner. I guess you just want to land on them, not give them that opportunity to build up and kill the ruck. And we've seen it before. If you nullify the ruck, you nullify Harry, you take away the options for them to get to any of those players. And um, kick pressure, certainly more important on Cherry Evans. Like I said, I'm sure they'll share it between Hunt and Tommy, but he'll be seeing more traffic, I think, than any other game. Of course. Yeah, we'll be. And I guess, again, just being a little bit undermanned, they're going to want to complete high, but for New South Wales, probably one of those last points is what you said, don't get away um, from the simple things. But I think if they're disciplined early in both halves and cycle a little bit and strangle and get on top, they'll certainly get rewarded at the back end of both halves. Yeah, they will. Um, I think we've got more quality. And, yeah, like I said, that real focus is that left edge. I've got no doubt that's where a lot of the traffic's going to go and, yeah, there could be a lot of late changes. I could be completely wrong, but I think for them, they've got more decisions to make than New South Wales do, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we're back to that time, and with bluebet.com.au, let's have a look at the odds for Game 3. It's a, a big swing since those players were ruled out. New South Wales are now $1.34, Queensland three twenty-five, eight and a half is the line. 1 to 12, Queensland 450. New South Wales 1 to 12 is 280. 13 plus, Queensland $9.10, 235 for the Blues. Uh, the over under 38 and a half. And um, there's some other markets here, but I guess we'll do what we always do. Brock, who is your prediction and by how much? I've uh, got the Blues 3210. So big win, 22 points. I'm going to go New South Wales, similar deal. I think they should win by at least probably 16 points, maybe more if they get it right. Um, in terms of a first try, I'm going to go Burton. I went him last game. He was our first try scorer, but he wasn't for the game. But again, I think that left-hand side is going to see plenty of traffic. Who do you like? Oh, I keep saying back rolls. Yeah, well, if it was left side... Felice, Felice was... Did Felice score first last game? Thank you. I think so. Yeah. So just, yeah, back-to-back rolls. So this time, if it was New South Wales and it was left, I think they flipped Martin from the right to the left to start. So um, you like the back rolls? Back rolls, just back-to-back rolls. Don't back one, back all of them. Man of the match, I'm assuming you're going to go Teddy again to get the job I'll done? i Teddy, yeah. I think I went. Uh, did I go Teddy last game? He's been unreal. Yeah. I think he'd be man of the series if you're in the match. Well, I'm with you. Uh, I went yo game one and he got KO'd and didn't have a great day. I picked Cleary last game and got that right and I had White and first try first game. But, yeah, this time I, I think Teddy will be big again. I think Cleary will be right around the mark. But Tedesco's been right there. And, again, if he's not man of the match, I'm sure he'll be top two or three. And I think if it's not – unless Cleary has another absolute blinder, I think he's man of the series. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Um, and the odds for that one. Yeah, I think the only person now that Munster's not there, the only person that can beat him for man of the series if it's Cleary, surely. 
even if New South Wales lose the game, I still think he'd have to have a shocker to not be man in the series. Yeah, I'm with you. If, I think in a losing side, mm-hmm. he'll still be top three. With Munster out, I'm saying. Yeah. With, yeah. Like, if Munster played and went okay and Queensland won, I think he'd be man in the series. But now he's out. Yeah. Mm, and especially... Um, it's Cleary versus Tedesco. Yeah. 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 Um, first try scorer, no surprise. Wings are the favourite. Toto, Tupo, $7.850. Teddy, a lot of people have been backing him. He hasn't scored yet this series. He's been very close. He's $10. Um, I think I'd probably prefer him more any time than first. Uh, the Queensland wingers for first try scorer. Cobo, 11. Oates, 12. Uh, Burton, my pick is 14. The back rows, like you were talking about, Martin is the shortest, $19. Nenai, if he starts on the other edge, is 23 Um and then after that, big odds, Catewell is $34. And I can't see Cameron Murray. Murray's $15, so he's the shortest of all the back rowers on the right-hand side outside Cleary. Um, and the man of the match market, I'm sure it's shortened in now with Munster gone. And, yep, no surprise, Nathan Cleary is now a $4 favourite. Tedesco just behind with bluebet.com.au at $5. Cherry Evans is the shortest price. Queenslander at 8 Ponga is their next best at 11. Uh, and then for New South Wales, Yo at nines. They've got Luai at 15, Cook at 13, Burton at 19. Uh, and then you start to get deeper. You know, if someone like Harry Grant pulls a big game out, he's $21. Tommy Dearden on debuts, $21. Hunt, if he was to play nine halves and play the full game, $21. Uh, I, I really don't see anyone for New South Wales outside of, you know, Cleary or Tedesco. You know, I... Yo, I thought would have a bigger impact, but I think those two guys, again, just in the style of football, are your two favourites. And for, for Queensland, it could be Cherry Evans, but if I was going to go somewhere to that spine, I think Pong is the one who's going to have to have the big impact. Yeah, agree. He needs to step up, doesn't he? Yeah, so that would be uh, be some big odds there, I think, for him, if uh, he was to be able to get that job done. But again, those odds started much closer, but now blowing out to $1.34 and three twenty five in that market. Again, the early payout, lead by... Back either team, and if you lead by six at halftime, you win. Max bet up to $100 excludes SA residents. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Thank you, bluebet.com.au. I'm sure we'll have a a crack with a charity bet on this game. I think I got a win last time on Matty Burton. I like that again um, in the anytime stakes, or we've both liked Tedesco, so I think What's Teddy? Teddy's two dollars fifteen. Burton's two eighty. I think any of those would be a good option for a charity bet. Mm. So we'll decide that close to, and uh, our amount for our charity bears of hope currently still sitting at six hundred eighty-seven dollars and fifty cents. Hopefully, we'll add to that after the end of this week. Yeah, well, you will. Yeah, I'm not a I know. Sorry, <laughs> I'll throw that out there. Everything, all the punting's down to me, but they're still supporting us, and it is for charity. So we really That's do right. appreciate that. But again. If you're going to bet with anyone, do it with bluebet.com.au. Um, but that pretty much wraps us up. Boxhead, decider, Queensland, exciting times. Um, unfortunate that COVID had to come around right now of all times, sort of heading into this game. You'd, you'd rather see it all full strength and yeah, you know, definitely. things go head-to-head. Uh, and obviously, as a New South Wales Welshman, like we said, it's always great to win, but... Well, still more oh, than 48 hours to go as well. There could be a few more surprises in store. Yeah, but you just always want to see the best game. Uh, again, win or lose, I just want the best game. And I would have rathered Munster and Tulagi and Felice be there um, to get the best possible outcome. But again, for New South Wales, I don't think you're going to get a better opportunity. You're not. So, huge. 
in terms of uh, the outs and heading up there in the circumstances. But uh, I guess review what maybe Thursday we'll do a review. Yeah, can do. We'll review and uh, do a quick preview and tips ahead of round 18. God knows who's going to back up. Back on our normal schedule next week, which will be nice. Yeah, there won't be all the in betweens, and we'll obviously have storage. Yeah, yeah, the lineups will be more clear. We won't have guys coming off the backup and uh, obviously we had rep round and this time around there's only one day in between so um, like I said I think that first game the day after is Thursday off and then I'm pretty sure the Cowboys and the Sharks are the first game so big opportunity for the Sharks up there the other Friday game Parramatta Warriors so Parramatta not really affected Paulo's the only player for them involved so lucky for them Um, yeah it's good for Parramatta yeah they get themselves in a pretty handy situation. The teams with the most involved who are affected, uh, early Saturday, the Roosters, they'll have three involved. They need to win. you got Brisbane, probably don't need to back everyone up, but they're late Saturday. Um, and then your other big contributors, Penrith on Sunday, I think they've already showed their hand. They rested guys like O'Sullivan and Falls over the weekend from Cup. They're all going to be playing against the Tigers, so I'm, I'm guessing all those players will be rested. Yeah, and they still beat the Bulldogs in the New South Wales Cup with all those guys out. Yeah, and then you got Melbourne, who obviously only have Harry in this game, but is Felice back in time? And the Bulldogs had a bye. Yeah. In the NRL. Crazy. So, is Felice back? Shows you the, the depth that Penrith's got. Oh, 100%. Like we said, they've basically got a first-grade side playing um, New South Wales Cup. That's why, like last year, what we said, when that window's open and everyone's coming for your plays, you've got to win. Yeah. Because everyone starts knocking on the door and your depth gets stripped out. They're still going to have a very good team next year, but a lot of that depth is starting to get taken. And we know that origin and injury, uh, it's a reality of rugby league. Yeah. Um, your other team with a big involvement or injuries, Melbourne have only got Harry, but will Felice be back? Is Munster out of isolation? I don't know. Or will he be cleared to play? Um, huge game for Canberra. They, they're in a must win in terms of them to have any chance to stay in touch. And South obviously had a lot of injuries last week and they've got three involved. They get the longest turnaround and they're playing the Bulldogs. So probably the best week possible for that to happen for South Sydney as they push towards that seventh and eighth position as well. Yep. But there you go. That wraps us up. Uh, review of round 17, some news in the game, obviously around some of those coaching situations and an in-depth preview of Origin Game 3. Thanks to bluebet.com.au and to... The Penrith Solar Centre. Those bills are going up. Uh, things aren't getting any better with inflation. And the best thing you could do is give yourself some defence by putting a solar system on your roof. Contact Jake and the crew there. www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800-20-2930 today. Boxhead, look forward to watching The Decider with you. And uh, for everybody else, we'll be back Thursday with a review and a preview of Round 18. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.